the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful and filled with joy that you would ask me to come back once again. It is great to see this. Um, seems now to be my, my home away from home church. Uh, and it is grand to visit with you once again. Uh, just to let you know that today we're going to be working in uh, three different scriptures. We have read them all, but there are some people who like to have their Bibles prepared and mark that. So obviously we're going to be in Job, and we're going to work uh, basically verses 6 through 9 in Job. And we're also going to be working in Hebrews. That was the call to worship that you read earlier. That's Hebrews 4, starting on verse, uh, I believe we're going to start on verse 14 and work through that. So if you want to mark that in your Bible as well, and plus, uh, uh, good sister Lynn over here was reading out of Mark, and that's Mark 10, and we're going to start at verse 17 there. So if you're one of those who likes to have your Bible prepared ahead of time, that, that's great, and that's grand. And I just had something jump around on my iPad. Isn't that fantastic? Okay, here we go. Ah, technology. Works wonders. We're in the book of Job, and it's great ground for exploration. Uh, there's just so many lessons that you can, and so many topics. Matter of fact, if I was going to be here for weeks at a time, we might be here for four to six weeks just working through Job and figuring this out. It, it is just rich and full. And the story of Job, according to men way more knowledgeable than me, it takes place before the law of the covenant. In other words, it was before the time of Moses, uh, even though it's, you find it right before Psalms. Uh, he was described by God specifically as an upright man. Not perfect, howbeit, but faithful. Howbeit faithful. During a time when ministering angels presented themselves to God to give an account of their actions, God actually called to Satan. That's a sermon for another time of why he was there. God called to Satan, have you considered Job? There is none like him on the earth. Satan responded saying, of course he is faithful. You've blessed him. If you take it away, he will curse you. And I'm doing this to try to set the stage. I don't assume that everybody out here knows Job and the story behind it. I don't like to assume uh, that at all, you know. And it's also good for us to remember and refresh. I mean, Job, he was super wealthy. I mean, he had, you name it, if, if you're a farmer, you would look at his spread and be going, he gads the land that you have just goes on farther than my eye can perceive. He had livestock overabundance. He was blessed with many children. I believe he had 10 children. Had a loving wife. His cup was full and overflowing. Well respected in his community, but more importantly, in the eyes of God, none other like him. So, God permitted Satan to take away all that he had, every bit of it, everything I mentioned, and even more. Still, Job remained faithful, and he held fast to his integrity. That wasn't enough for Satan. So he asked God, let me attack his body, and then Job will surely curse you. God let him. 
After he was struck with painful boils that covered him from head to the soles of his feet. His wife and his three closest friends accused Job of wrongdoing. His wife even called out, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job's response is memorable. He said, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? So, we pick up this story of Job. Here we are in chapter 23. His good friend, Elihaz, had just, in essence, said, Hey, Job, just admit what you've done. Lay it before God, and he will restore you. That sounds like wise counsel. You know? How many times are we told Give it to God. Lay it at his feet. Confess. But it wasn't correct. Job was, ama- was upright and faithful and knew of his innocence. Matter of fact, he was upset. Still faithful, but he was upset. He, he uh, basically was holding on to his integrity. But he knew this. He knew if he could talk to God, everything would be just fine. Everything would be okay. If he could just talk to God. Matter of fact, it says there in verse 6 and 7, would he contend with me in his great power? He asked that question. And his answer is, no, he wouldn't. But he would take note of me. He would notice me. There, the upright could reason with him. I would be delivered forever from my judge. He had that confidence. He had that confidence. That's what God would do for him. However, you know, he's calling out to the Lord. But he's not finding him. It says there in verse 8 and 9, look, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns the right hand, I cannot see him. You get like that? Have you been like that? Are you like that today? Are you wondering, where is God at? Have you asked those questions? It's okay. Job, upright and faithful, asking the same thing. Sometimes we can get so focused on what we're experiencing We find it difficult to see God in our circumstances. It reminds me of a prayer of St. Patrick. There it is. It's actually from a greater prayer, a much longer prayer. It's attributed to St. Patrick. He did it in 433 A.D., just like 400 years after the time of Christ walked this earth in human form. I first heard this 
prayer in a song. It, it's like this. Christ be beside me, Christ be before me, Christ be behind me, King of my heart. There's a little license with the lyricist here. Christ be within me, Christ be below me, Christ be above me, never to part. Amazing, amazing call. Because that's the good news. It is the good news. Job didn't have that at the time. Jesus is everywhere. We have that today. We have that faith. We have that trust. We have that presence. He has prepared the way for you. If you look in, for sure, look in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. High priest, that's a, another sermon for another time. Let us hold fast our confessions. Makes much more sense to the people he was talking to than maybe today. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Remember the last time I was here? I talked about how Christ was tempted in the wilderness that the devil will find you when you're at your weakness and hit you. But yet, Christ came out unscathed. He knew hunger. He was weak. Held fast. Held strong. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Christ knows. He's been there where you're at, where you have been. Maybe you're there now. He wept for loved ones that were gone. Remember Lazarus? He died, cried out for him, and then called him forth, didn't he? Didn't he weep for the city of Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem. Yeah, he said, shed tears of pain. He was abandoned by his best friends. On the night he was taken, was there any of them to be found? He was stripped. He was whipped. Spit upon. Dragged in front of a mob. And what did they yell at him? Not Hosanna. They yelled, crucify him. A man that was completely innocent. You don't think he knows what pain you're going through. He took the sins of the world upon his shoulders, literally, stretched his arms wide, poured out himself for the forgiveness of all, every one of us. He has prepared the way for you to approach the throne of God so you, in your time of need, can go boldly forward and ask for forgiveness or mercy or for whatever is troubling you. He knows, and I know, because I've called out 
very recently, over and over. And he answered. When I first was here in August, I was an unemployed individual. Remember, I gave, I gave up my teaching job in April. I did quit then. I waited until the end of the year. But I announced I was going to leave in April. And here, I, we're going through months go by, months go by. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Then I got a job. Now, when I take a job, I get very determined because all my life, I've been discounted. I've been called too short. Can you imagine? Well, you didn't know me as a freshman in high school. I was five foot two. Too short, too little, wrong school, not enough training, not enough experience, just over and over, discounted so much of my life. So I get pretty gritty. I get pretty determined. My first three days on this job, out of two of those three days, Nothing worked, and I mean literally nothing. There was one time there was not a single line in the entire place that was functioning. Not one. I learned one thing in those first two days. It was very valuable, and I was thankful I learned it. The training that I received was haphazard. There was absolutely no logic to it whatsoever. You're talking to a trained professional when it comes to teaching. I'm like, none of this is making any sense. The work is fascinating, but it was like this. All it was is waiting for the next disaster to hit. And I'm not joking. There's about a thousand ways to kill the patient. No, I wasn't working in the medical field, all right? But that's how I described it, and that's what it was like, because I was in a production facility, and it just keeps going. And it doesn't matter what problem happens. It just keeps coming at you. 10,000 times every 20 minutes. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. There's no real training logic. The maintenance is not done properly. I know, because all the problems we were having is because stuff was not getting fixed. And we were just hoping to get by. And it was all, most of it is preventable, but it wasn't being done. I can tell you one thing. I'll just give you an example. I had a fan. Where I was at, it was very hot. Hot, noisy, and dirty. And there was a fan. And they have it there specifically because it's ding-dong hot. Big industrial fan sits right in front of me. I went to work on, uh, on Monday. It wasn't working. And it happened to be that spell when it hit 90. Reported it to the right people. I come by Tuesday. Still not working. Reported again. Even had the supervisor come down there. Come back Wednesday, still not working. Come back there Thursday, still not working. They could have taken one from another line and possibly put it there. Didn't do that. Didn't do those things. There was stuff, and that was a minor thing. Some people say it's major, meaning you had no air moving on you whatsoever. Nope. But I'm used to working out in miserable conditions. Items that weren't there that should have been. Man, I became very frustrated. And I would come home, and I'd be non-human. Because if I left work immediately, 
and got home at quarter after the hour, 15 minutes later, I had an hour and 45 minutes to get everything done so I could go to sleep and get eight hours of sleep, get up and do it all over again. I get home, my, my boots were covered in stuff I didn't want to track in the house. I leave it there, I'd strip off all my clothes, throw them in the laundry, get my bathrobe on, take my cooler and wash it. My wife said, why are you washing your cooler every day? Because when I did this, and I always had to put my cooler on the floor to access my locker, I'd, put, I'd do this and I'd come up just black. I had to lay on the floor one time because we didn't have the proper material to take all of our items that we produce and strap it to a pallet. We didn't have the proper stuff, so I'm laying on the floor to feed everything through to strap it up. I'm just black everywhere, and we just swept the area, you know? So I had to wash my cooler, take all that stuff out, get my food together. Finally get to eat dinner. It's now an hour and 15 minutes later. I have 30 minutes to do anything else before I went to sleep. So I had no time for her whatsoever. Well, you know, I'm going to talk to her or anything else, you know, and, and just get prepared to go to bed and get up and do it all again. I wasn't very human. It became, it was like walking through the desert. I don't know if any of you have done that in your life. And you would trudge through for four days. And then you would see an oasis, and you would just sit down there at the oasis. But you only had enough supplies to keep you there for four days before you had to load up again and do it all over again. And you just barely had enough to sustain you until the next time where you get to the oasis again. I'd come home, my knees were shot. I'm still wearing knee braces today uh, from that. My ear still has it been right. Matter of fact, they put me through a hearing test. You know what the goofy thing was? I walked down to go take the hearing test. They said, go to the cafeteria and take a hearing test. So I went down there to take a hearing test. There's no, I walk in, there's cafeteria, there's one person there, a cleaning lady. I don't think I'm talking to her. I look at her and she says, I go, is this where the hearing tests are at? She goes, yep. It's right over there. She pointed at a door. No sign, no nothing. I sit down to go take the hearing test. I put on the headphones. She starts the test, and she goes, is there something wrong? And I said, there's nothing. I hear nothing. Really? Over and over and over again. Now, I have to admit that I am deaf to technology. Any type of machinery or technology, uh, that's why there was one disaster after another happening, because um, I, I, I'll get to that in a minute. But she keeps trying, keeps trying four times. Nothing happens. She, uh, she finally gets it sort of fixed, puts it back on, still nothing happens. She figures out there's a wire that's got a bad connection. Well, if you hold it just like this, we can get through the test. I'm supposed to have an extra set of, of headphones, but I don't have them. That's what I was dealing with all the time. The stuff that happened where I was working at and responsible for, I had a person who was there for four years who swarmed down. She goes, I have never seen this ever happen in my entire time here. This, all the stuff that went wrong. And the majority of it, overwhelming majority of it is preventable, but it's not being done. And I have no way to fix that. So I would call on him during my lunch breaks. I'd sit out in my truck. My drive into work, 
with words such as, Lord, give me the strength and the faithfulness that you gave to Jacob and Caleb, that when I faced the giants, I would not run away. Empower me like David. Be my strength and refuge because, Lord, I am weak. I'll make it because of you. Fill me with your spirit. Carry me through. I would sing songs like, hold me, Jesus. I'm shaking like a leaf. Because I was. The things that happened out there, I cannot describe to you. There was one time, just thankfully, my mentor was there when everything blew up. Not literally. I mean, well, it blew up, but it wasn't an explosion that you have to worry about shards of things flying into you, but it literally did. The stuff that we're producing just blew up, and it took two of us to cl clear everything out and fix it. If she wasn't there, it would have never have happened. You know? Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. I mean, I'm singing those hymns. And he listened, and every day he would deliver me. And I would sing his praises. But I tell you what, it was hard. It got so bad one time I looked at Deneen before I went to work. And she could see it in my eyes. She heard it in my voice. I'm like, look, that's what I'm about to happen. How far will I go before I break? I didn't break. Her prayer warriors, her prayers, mine, God answered every single one of them. I made it through another day, another day, another day. But sometimes that calling can go a different direction. I invite you to look in the book of Mark. We're in chapter 10, verse 17. It says, Now, he was going out on the road. One came running and knelt before him. And he asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? This is a sermon for another time, though. No one is good but, but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. That's pretty bold. I love Jesus' response because this is another sermon for another time. Jesus knew. He knew him. Knew him well. He could have called him out. 
about all those things he just said. He didn't do that, though. He gave him a chance. He gave him a chance. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus called to him. Instead of calling him out for what he said, he called to him. He said, give up all this and come follow me. But he was sad at this word, went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. He was holding on to that. Now, I knew there was a reason for why I was where I was at, where I was working. However, there's one thing I noticed in the eyes of all the people there. There was a real lack of hope for the people I was looking at from what I witnessed. So instead of calling upon Jesus... God and the Holy Spirit for endurance and strength or just to flat out carry me. I changed my call and I said, how much longer? How much longer? And I got an answer. And the answer was, Jesus looked right at me and he goes, why are you holding on to this? Now, instead of going away, like the rich man, I, I, I looked at God, sort of like the way Job might have addressed God, and said, but I need the money. And he goes, Brian, why are you holding on to this? Well, I need the health care. If something goes wrong, how am I going to take care of it? And he looked at me again, and he goes, when have I not provided for you? The answer is never. So, in other words, he, told, he looked at me and he goes, frog. And I was like, oh my goodness. Because back in April, I did not know this. I woke up one morning, my wife says, have you gone outside? I said, no. Go outside. So I walk outside of my house and I see this. And not just one of these, like 10 of them, lining an area of our property where we've landscaped really nice. And there's all these frogs. 
and there's a sign on, on all these frogs say, we will miss you, Mr. B. Frog. You know what frog stands for? Fully rely upon God. Fully rely on God. Now, I was thankful that God was patient with me. He was patient with rich young ruler. He could have called him out. He didn't. He just called him for one thing. Lord, let me ask, say things back to him. And he kept reminding me, reminding me. And finally, he just said, okay. So I quit my job. So I'm unemployed again. Yeah, looking for another one. But that's okay. Still have a house. I still have food. So obviously, I still have clothes. I don't know where it's going or where it's leading. It may not go where I want to be. I hope he doesn't have what Job had, you know. But the interesting thing is, Job ended up well, didn't he? He ended up well. I know when it's all said and done that the treasures there are more important. I just want to make sure I'm holding on to the right thing. That's why I invite you today. I don't know where you are. God calling to you? If he's calling you to you specifically, maybe he's saying, hey, come and follow me. Let me take your burdens. If you'd like to commit to him and you have not done that yet, please, come forward anytime. I don't care if it's now, during the next song, or a song after that. Please do. Let him take care of that for you. Rely upon him. He will be your chief priest, your advocate. He will intercede for you. You can fully rely upon him to do so. Praise be to God. Mm.